Evening, guys and gals. It's Chatisfaction time. I'm Keith. And I'm Sam. And we're about to hit you with that hard-hitting Chatisfaction journalism that we have, that we do, that we conduct. We uh, Journalistic integrity. We do duct it. That's, we, we do all that stuff. There's no journalism here. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing pretty well. What have you been up to? Um, just working. I actually uh, called out sick to work on Tuesday, mm. and I worked from home on Wednesday, and that was kind of cool because I got paid for both of those days. Um, and I just I just used a sick day on Tuesday, which is neat. Having a sick day is mm-hmm. like an exciting grown up thing. Um, How many of those do you get? I get nine a year. Shit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's almost an extra, it's almost two more weeks of vacation, essentially. Like, it's not to be used that way, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, and emergencies uh, and such. Yeah. And then I worked from home on Wednesday, which, you know, I, I still worked, but I got to hang out at home and kind of take it easy. So it was pretty cool. Mm hmm. Um, but so yeah, I did that. Stayed home sick. And other than that, I've just been playing more Zelda, playing some Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching The Legend of Korra, um, which I've been enjoying very much. Nice. And trying to think. Yeah, we got Destiny comes out next week. Mario comes out at the end of that week. Like, that's some heavy hitters. That is very true. Um, are you looking like you're on track to beat zelda before mario no okay uh what's your progress there um i've got 90 shrines mm-hmm. um and i am i have one more uh divine beast to take down um and then other than that i'm just kind of roaming around um i think i'd like to get all the shrines before i go to the castle uh yeah but I'm not sure. I'm I, I'm not I'm not fully committed either way. Yeah. Um. But I'm just still having so much fun. I can't believe like I'm probably a hundred hours under, with the game, and I can't mm-hmm. believe how much fun it is still is. Like I can't believe how often I like I discover an area that I'd never been before that's so cool and unique. Like. That shit doesn't happen in any of the open world games I've ever played. After you've played this long, you know what everywhere looks like. Even if you've never been there, you know what it's going to look like. And so I, I'm yeah. just so impressed with the artistry of the world in this game. It was clearly crafted so specifically. It's a masterclass in design. Um, I can't remember the last time that I went into an open world and didn't immediately feel like overwhelmed by everything. And Zelda is like, there's a shitload of stuff to do, but it's so like approachable. And it's like, it's stuff I want to do because the game's not telling me like, go do these 30 things. You have 30 things to do. Go do them. Right. It's like the game tells you what you can and can't do physically. And then it's like, go find something interesting. And then you kind of do that. Like, yeah, so much of it's self-determined and it's like there's all these little side quests and I know, I know that absolutely none like, or I'm not absolutely, but I know that for the most part, they're not going to pay off at all, but I just, I just like an excuse to go explore somewhere and then report back to someone on it. Like I, I'm not doing it cause I think I'm going to get something cool out of it. 
I'm doing it because it's like, oh, like I just finished a side quest where you had to take a picture of the three um, Leviathan skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, did you do that one? I I didn't do that one. Um, I know what you're talking about. It was really fun, and, and it, I had a really hard time finding the third skeleton, but it meant I like explored the shit out of this area. And when I finally found it, I was super stoked because um, mm-hmm. I found it in a really cool place, and I, I very easily could have not found it for another three hours. Like, yeah, but I happened to find it, um, and that's the thing. And I got some. I got I think I got three hundred rupees for that quest. Like, it didn't amount to anything, but the point of it was that it gave me an excuse to spend a bunch of time in this area that I hadn't really explored before. Yeah, um, I gotta you say, say it's your... go ahead. The DLC, um, I bought it. And uh, I have barely, I, I think I've only gotten like one piece of armor from it because you've got to find it all. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, it gives you the ability to view everywhere you've been on the map for the last 200 hours. Um, and it's super useful when you're exploring because you're like, oh, I've never been to this entire mountain. Like I didn't realize that. I thought I went all over there. Um, yeah. But the map's so huge that you just cut through these areas and skip so much. So I think for trying to find all the shrines, it'll be really helpful. Mm. Um, do you think it's your game of the year so far? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, I think it's going to be really hard for Mario to top it because that's the only thing that could, I think, in my book. Um, I think that it's going to sweep game of the year awards. Every, I think every single institution that awards game of the year awards is going to give it to Zelda. I think it's highly likely. It seems like the sort of thing... It, it it is the sort of game I think will win game of the year. Um, I've been playing a game that I think is my game of the year still. I think we talked about it a little bit before, but I've been playing near automata a mm-hmm. bunch. Um, and this game continues to surprise me in similar ways that like playing a metal gear game used to surprise me where Kojima understands what we do as gamers and plays with all of those functions. That's like, cool. Like playing with the notion of like, even if something simple is like a new game plus is like this game does something really unique with that, where it is absolutely mandatory that you play the game more than once to experience the whole story. Um, like rolling credits is not the end. Right. Uh, um, and they do really unique things in this game. Uh, I think it's a trademark of the series. I've never played any of the, I didn't play the first near game. This is technically the second one. And apparently these games are a spinoff of a series called Drakengard, which I've never played either. Um, but apparently the one of the touchstones is that they're known for having multiple uh, styles of gameplay within one system. And uh, I don't know if they transition as smooth as they do in this game, but this game teaches you that very early on with in a very Zelda-esque way, like by just letting you play it and figure it out. And it's it's amazing how it can go from like it's this third person action game to a top down twin stick shooter and and it switches the game style like that a bunch of times and it does it and it doesn't it's not like okay here's the part where now the controls are different and it has to like stop and explain it to you it's like you just understand because you've just played it it's just you're playing it from a different perspective now um and all the buttons do all the same things you just kind of are like it's cool how it does it um It'll even like shift to like a side-scrolling perspective where the characters don't move in; they only move left and right now. And 
uh, characters just come at you from both sides of the screens or enemies come at you from both sides of the screen. Um, and the story is really engaging. It has like super anime. It has like the anime ness to it. Right. It's very cheesy at parts and some of it's not that well written. And there's like logic leaps and stuff that you could bicker. You could like pick apart if you wanted. But uh, I think the, with the story and what it's trying to communicate overall um, is really something special. And I think that this definitely is the most unique game I've played all year so far. Um, and I think it's my game of the year. I'm I'm on like the last stretch of it. So I'll give a final analysis when I finish it. But it's doing some things, man. It's definitely like it has something to say. It's pretty artistic. Um, and that whole thing where they play with how you they're they're playing with your expectations of how you know they know how you play games um so it's it's been really enjoyable um one of the things that's been interesting to engage with in this game is that one of the themes of it and this is might be spoilers for near so if you if it sounds interesting it sounds like a game you want to play uh maybe skip the next like 10 minutes of this uh because I'm going to talk about it for a little bit. Uh, it's not too spoilery. I'm just going to discuss some themes that they explore. Um, so if you want to play it, skip. If you don't care, continue to listen. But one of the, one of the themes is the game is about these androids who fight against robots. And the androids were made by humans to fight. Uh, they're trying to fight to restore Earth because it's been destroyed by some war so that the humans can come back because they've retreated to the dark side of the moon or something like that. And so the machine, the deal is the machines were a byproduct of aliens that invaded and destroyed the earth in a war. Um, so the, the robots don't look humanoid at all. And the androids look exactly like humans, but they're just, you know, androids underneath. Um, so you play as a pair of androids and uh, you're just going around trying to, you're doing whatever like the commander tells you to do just kind of like in metal gear, how you sneak in and colonels just giving you all of your objectives and right. stuff. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it becomes pretty clear thematically that the game is about, uh, abandonment and abandonment from your parents and not necessarily like they just dumped you here, but they, they died. Uh, and it's about like, what do kids do when their parents die? Like, and they haven't been developed all the way. Um, and so the androids and the machines are both kind of dealing with that and they deal with it in very different ways. And it's, it's an interesting study. Like the, the good guys and the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They've both been abandoned by like, like the machines have been abandoned by the aliens and then the, um, androids have been abandoned by the humans. Um, and so, it just kind of like struck me and it's been really engaging with me because both my parents have died. Right. And my dad died when I was younger, probably like 15, but definitely like when I needed a male figure to kind of be there for me. And then my mom died in uh, 2011 when I was 24. Still really like I'm not fully developed and there's some stuff I wish she was still around for, but, um, and I don't really ever feel like angsty, like, yeah, you abandoned me. Like she got cancer. She didn't give herself cancer. Right. Um, but it's still, it's like, I connect with it in that way. Um, and so it's just every so often, like I just, it just makes, I just get sad and I think it's 
I think it's depression, but I don't think I have depression in the way that like people who need to be medicated for it have it. Right. It's just every now and then I feel like my kind of depression is just a feeling of numbness. Like every now and then I'll just have this feeling like none of this shit matters. Like even just like people that are really close to me, I don't think of as in these moments, I don't think of them as people anymore. They're just kind of like the components that make them up. Um, and it's like very fleeting. It's not very long, but it is like a big sense of like melancholy. And I think it stems from a little bit of like, maybe I had to deal with some hard shit, maybe a little too early. Um, but I think it overall, like I'm better for it, but I've been like, it's been conjuring up those feelings in me. So I have a very special connection to this game. I, I, uh, getting something out of it. So like I've known you for a very long time. Um, I met you after your dad had already died. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we were about as close as we've ever been, um, when your mom died, um, which is very close, but it's also something that you never really talked about too much. And like, from my perspective, it never, it never seemed like it actually affected you that much. And I've always been really curious about it because I don't know how it couldn't. And I'm not saying that you weren't affected, but I'm just saying outwardly, um, you weren't like when your mom died, I remember it it was shitty and, but you just were sort of like, yeah, it sucks. That was kind of it. And so I've always wondered, um, I always wondered how it affects you and how it affected you because it's not something we've ever gotten too deep into which yeah. I feel like if, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I, part of me sees it as a shortcoming of our friendship. Cause I feel like as your friend, I should, I should have, I should pr- have pride more over the years. Um, mm. but so I guess not a shortcoming of our friendship, but a shortcoming of my, uh, friendship to you. Um, but the, I don't see that I, on so the I other side, I've it. always just sort of figured like, it wasn't really something you felt like engaging in. So I wasn't going to push you down that path either. Um, yeah. So I'm now that we're on the subject, like I am kind of interested in talking about it more if you are. So it, it becomes a larger topic of depression because our friend Roger, he asked me very just bluntly one day, he was like, do you think, do you ever get depressed or do you think you have depression? Uh, and then I just kind of like let loose. I was like, yeah, I, I do. I definitely do. I don't think it's severe. Like I just said right. before, like, I don't think I need to go and get medicated for it. There's some times where I think like, maybe I should talk to somebody and I think, I definitely think I should. And I definitely think probably everyone should at some point. Yeah. Cause I don't think that any of us are like 1000% okay. Um, but, uh, so it it all has to do with my upbringing and that like i don't think i had a very warm family we were all closed off right. and so that's kind of like what you're seeing a byproduct of um so at the time when my mom died um i i was vulnerable and i expressed that vulnerability to my girlfriend at the time cuz she was there when i got the news um and then it was very much a thing where like in my family depression is not a thing it's just like you're sad and you need to man up and push through it so that's kind of what i was doing and i think the only one that really the only person who really saw me vulnerable other than my mom and uh some of my close family was my girlfriend at the time um so i mean it was messed up for a little bit 
and like I, I still went to work and I think everyone knew something was wrong, but it was kind of like that same thing where no one really wanted to like directly ask me about it. And even if they had at the time, I mean, I was 24, I think 23, 24. Like, I, I don't know if I would have even opened up at that time. Right. I definitely would have now cause I'm way more open with like everything. Right. Um, and I think that that has to do with the mushrooms that we took because apparently one of the side effects, one of the long-term side effects is just an increase, an increase in openness in the individual. Yeah. Um, I've definitely so, noticed that in you. Like I've, I think since, since that trip, you've been a lot more in touch with yourself. It hasn't always been the, the hap, had the happiest results, but I think you've been more honest about your feelings and stuff since then. Yeah, I definitely like, and you nailed it. Like, they're not always the happiest, but they are more true. And I think that that's more valuable because I don't think life, I I personally don't think life is about being happy because it's like, there's going to be times when you're not happy. And then what do you do then? Like, what is life about? Is it about nothing then? Because so I, I find that like, I just let happiness find me in moments. I don't go chasing it anymore. And I feel like. I'm overall like better for that. Yeah. But, um, and not saying like I'm better than someone else. Just like, I personally like I'm doing better in my, in my own life because of it. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, when my mom got sick, it was a, it was a real shock because you would think if someone has cancer that there's like harsher symptoms, but, there wasn't and my mom just kind of was like my stomach feels funny i'm gonna go to the doctor and then called me three hours later and was like uh, i have untreatable cancer <laughs> and so i didn't really know how to process it and I, I remember i immediately went down i was upstairs like in my bedroom and uh i just went downstairs and my girlfriend was downstairs and uh like on the way down the stairs, like every step I took, it was sinking in more and more. And then I was like full out crying by the end, by the time I was down at the bottom of the stairs. And she just like, I think she knew the news that I got. Cause she knew my mom was in the hospital and that, uh, she was calling me at that moment. Right. So she under, she understood without me having to tell her what happened. Uh, and I cried right there and, and then I just didn't ever, I cried one more time after that because of it and i was like on the way to work i was already upset about it and it was just like some i forget what song came on the radio it was a song and a it you know how songs like generalize all feelings right. it just was like the right song at the right time and i like had to actually pull over because i thought i was gonna like crash my car um and i just had to like cry for a little bit and then go to work um but those were the two times where it really hit me and so like the only way that it really affects me now is there's, there's just some, some moments where like I'm, I'm in this really good relationship with this girl and I wish she could, that she could meet her, even though I don't know how my mom would react because she was irrational about <laughs> a lot of things. Um, but even so, like it's your mom. It doesn't matter. Like unless they're like abusive and really shitty to you, you're going to love them no matter what. Uh, and and my mom was super supportive of me, even when it didn't make sense to be or, you know, like she always thought I was like the best artist. And I'm like, I'm not. But I appreciate you, mom. I appreciate you like just being in my corner, having my back. Yeah. Your um, your mom was uh, ridiculous at times, but she was a good mom. Like, yeah, she. I definitely think she was. 
Um, I, I've always felt, I've always felt glad that I, I felt like I got, I got to know her more than a lot of your friends did. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I have fun memories of, of being at your house. Yeah. Um, but other than like it being personally about my mom, I wanted, I, because I was like going through that and this game was conjuring up thoughts. I wanted to ask you if you ever thought that you went have like depressive spouts because to me on the outside, you're a pretty like, you're fine. Mostly. I think, um, I don't think you have any serious problems at all, but I was wondering if you ever kind of get into those modes where, um, you might think you might be depressed or anything or how you kind of deal with it because you, you seem, you just seem like you're happy most of the time. Um, so I have a, both a good and bad answer for you. Um, Mm -hmm. the bad answer is that, uh, no, I, I am, I am how I appear. Um, okay. I'm a, I, but the older I get, the more I realize what an anomaly I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just, I'm generally happy. It doesn't mean I don't get sad. It doesn't mean I don't get mad, but I, I do not think I've ever been close to depression. Um, yeah. I think probably the most consistently bummed out I've ever been was, you know, about a year ago when I was looking for a job after school. Um, cause it was just a really negative process, but even then I was still fine. Um, yeah, but the good answer, the good part of my answer is that, um, I'm also going to therapy every other week. Um, hmm. Tessa's going every week and we're going together sometimes. Um, uh, cause Tessa is depressed, uh, just flat out. She is. Um, yeah. and we're going as a couple to try to work on it. Cause it's hard as being the, uh, being the husband of someone that's depressed is difficult. Um, and yeah. navigating as a couple is hard and it's, I want to f- be as supportive as I can, but it's the more people I talk to and the more these types of things get talked about, it just turns out everybody is depressed and everybody should go see a therapist. Like that's the thing. Um, I'm not depressed, but I think it's important that I go talk to someone every once in a while because mm-hmm. it's maintenance. It is, it is yeah. maintenance of your mind, um, and of your, you know, your soul, whatever your soul is to you. Um, it is an important, it's extremely important. Um, and you know, you and I know someone is going through something super terrible right now and they're going to therapy for it. And it's like, it's the type of thing where they're realizing, holy shit, I should have been doing this a long time ago. Like yeah. we should have done this a long time ago. It could have prevented some things. Um, and that's the thing. I think most people wait until their life's falling apart to think maybe this is what I should do now. But the fact is like, I, this is going to sound really silly, but um, did you watch the pickle Rick episode of Rick and Morty? Yeah, I did. Um, for those of you who didn't, I'm going to spoil the episode. Um, half of it is Rick going on this crazy adventure and the other half is the family at therapy. And at the end the therapist has this like monologue to Rick about therapy and how important it is. Um, and how, of course it's boring. It's, it's like brushing your teeth, like, but it's just work and it's maintenance and it's something you have to do and it's not exciting. Um, and I really loved that. I loved her talk because 
specifically with that show, that show acts like it's better than everything all the time and like too smart for everybody. And so I really yeah. liked that the show took such a hard stance on like, like she shut Rick down. I've heard one of the writers actually say that she's the only person ever to have defeated Rick Sanchez. Yeah. Um, I like that notion. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really like that cause I watched that episode like amidst Tess and I deciding to go to therapy and amidst, uh, our friend going through this horrible shit. And it was like, mm. to me, and, and then there was like right in the same time frame, uh, that rapper logic, uh, did a VMA concert for his song. I can't, the name of the song is the suicide hotline phone number. Um, yeah. and it's like a really popular song. And since he's done that performance, the suicide hotline has seen like a hundred percent growth in calls. Um, that's amazing, yeah. Yeah, and it's like there's part of it I think is cuz I'm becoming aware of it. Um but part of it I think is hope because society is starting to get there too. Um like mental health is is important to everyone, whether you are depressed or whether you are objectively pretty stable, it's still fucking important. Um and the fact is most people most people have something they can work on. Everybody has something they can work on. Um, yeah. And I definitely have some things I can work on, but the, the, the true answer is no, I've, I've never thought I was depressed. Um, but I'm finding out, I think I'm the only person I know that that's true for. You are an anomaly and you're a good anomaly to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not upset I, about it. It's more, it's like, i I wish I feel bad sometimes because I, I don't know how I got so goddamn lucky. Um, just chemistry man like you just got well a i think that you had unique parents um and i think you just got lucky with your body chemistry because half half the time people aren't depressed because sad shit happens to them half the time it's uh, their body like doing something that they're not in control of um because i think i like to think that your your wife is mostly doing all right in life but there's always just been this undercurrent of like hmm, you know there's just something that's something's wrong that i don't and i don't understand what's wrong and i think that's just that's the chemistry thing man it's like it's weird to have your body to want to to think like in this moment i should be happy um and i have those like i said i have those moments a lot like when sometimes even when we're hanging out like there's there's nothing going on here that's wrong. Everything that's happening, I love. Like we're sitting around, and we're hanging out, or watching TV, or we're playing video games, and it's just there's an undercurrent of like something's just off, something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I'm I don't know why I'm like not enjoying this fully, or why I don't I'm not like grasping how special this is at this moment. And I think it's just a chemistry thing. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And that's what's so hard is like. I don't think it's something you can necessarily fight, but it's more something you have to learn to ride out to be like, okay, this is probably my brain chemistry. I'm just going to be sad for a little while. And, and then hopefully I'll come out on the other side of it. Instead of, I think if you try to fight it, then it makes it like it becomes, it, 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 you know, it changes things, but I don't know also. Cause I mean, that's the thing I've been, I've been irrationally upset plenty of times, but I, yeah, I really don't think I could say I've been depressed. Um, I can say I'm not good at handling it. I'm really not good at being fair to Tessa when she's uh, depressed. 
I, I can't, I have such a hard time not taking it personally, um, and being defensive and arguing back. Like, and so that's, that's one of the things I'm working on a lot is trying to appreciate that there are, there are other factors at play. Yeah. So um, when you go to therapy, what do you kind of get out of it for yourself? Cause I know that you guys are kind of going as a couple and I, I can understand the benefits of that. But since you are kind of this anomaly, like what do you kind of get out of it or have you gotten anything out of it yet? I don't know how long you've been doing it. We haven't been doing it too long. Um, yeah. But uh, one thing I get like part of the purpose for me is to have like someone else I can talk to about like about me and Tesla kind of. Um, mm. And what I, so I like that. I like being able to say, you know, like ask questions and say like, am I a dick for this? And sometimes the answer is, yeah, you're being kind of a dick. Like you should, <laughs> you should not do yeah. that. I was like, okay. Like, but it's good to hear that from a, from a neutral party. Like that's the thing. She can say exactly what I've said before. or She can say exactly what Tessa said before. And it means a lot more to the other one of us. Cause it's not coming from, you know, the yeah. op- opposition. Um, but no, and I've, I've got, like I said, I've, I've definitely got my own issues there. I, I would consider them pretty minor. Um, but there's things I would like to try to work out or at least just talk about and see how to go about working out on them. Um, our therapist is very just like, she just kind of likes to listen, Mm. um, which is nice, but I don't know if it's like, if like for Tessa, like trying to actually work on things, I don't know if it's ultimately, if she's if she's the right match for us, I think we might try to find someone else. Um, yeah. But it's more, it's just like, there's no one in your life right now that you can talk to that doesn't have some stake in your life and in what you do. Um, yeah. And a therapist is someone you can talk to that doesn't. They truly don't. They don't have any motivation other than to listen to you and to try to help you if you're, if you need help with something. Um, yeah. But so you can say like, if you, if you were like super, if you had some huge problem with Roger or something like that, you couldn't tell me that completely neutrally. You could tell me that, but I would try to fix it from an angle of you guys are both my best friends and I don't want anything wrong. You know, like I have an emotional investment basically everybody you know has an emotional investment in you to some degree and so you can't you can't deal with things objectively with anybody else and so that's where a therapist is just like it's a room where you can literally say you can say actually what you think and not worry about like even if what you think is fucking dreary and bleak you don't have to worry about your friends thinking oh shit i can't believe keith said that like keith's not okay Keith, blah, blah, blah. Like you can, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's an opportunity to be truly honest, which is a pretty hard place to be. Yeah. Um, it's a hard thing to find outside of that. I think, um, or at least you can't find, you don't have anybody you could be completely honest about everything with. Like you might have somebody you could be completely honest about some things with, but yeah, some things are too close to them. Yeah. I, I'm finding out that like I'm trying to be as honest as possible and I'm finding out that that's not always the best thing to do in all situations. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part I am, I think there's just some times where it's like maybe now's just a good time to keep your mouth shut. If being on like, you just have to kind of know when like 
the truth or my perception of truth, this isn't the room for it at the moment. Maybe later on, or if someone asks me, I should say it, but I'm, I don't have to like always just be like that. Right. So I'm I'm kind of learning my boundaries in that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it would, it would be good. And like, I think once I get all set up in Charlottesville, um, I'll probably not anytime soon, but at some point I do want to kind of, I just want to talk to a therapist to just kind of like see where I'm at, you know, like, am I okay? Or are there things I, there's like, actually, I think not anything like depressive wise, but there's like cognitive behavioral stuff that I want to work on. Um, and I think I can do it like on my own at first to see if I can make it work, but I might need to see someone because I'm just having a hard time. Like, I want to start like a newer, healthier routine, and I always get something going for like a week or two, and then I abandon it, right? And then just go back to like staying up until four in the morning and waking up at seven. Uh, so there's, and because of that, I just fall back into like, well, I guess I'll just play games, or instead of doing something productive. Um, but I always feel like so much better when I get on a new routine that involves like waking up going to bed earlier waking up earlier uh eating regularly like normal meals like the three meals a day um and eating better i think there's some stuff i need to work on but i'm hoping that moving in with my girlfriend will help a lot of it because she is vegetarian and she cooks a lot of good food so we just kind of said to each other like we're going to cook at home mostly i don't think we should go out that much and we kind of decided that for each other and uh Hopefully that'll help out with a bunch. Dude, you should but find a day job. Like it will force you into I'm looking for one. a daytime yeah. schedule. I'm definitely looking for one. There was I've applied to a few places. Yeah. Um Yeah. Glad to hear. One it. of them one of them is UPS, which is not a day job. It's a late night to nine in the morning job. <laughs> don't don't do uh, I know you want to work at UPS, but what's the point of moving with your girlfriend if you're going to work a hundred percent opposite schedules? Um, well, it's just, it's just four to nine, 4 AM to nine. Yeah. AM. it's only five hours a day. Yeah. It's just part-time. And then they'll like, they'll, if you, if you stick around, they recruit or they, you know, uh, whatever it is. Promote from within. They hire, they promote from within. Yeah. And then you can get full-time positions, but during the daylight part-time. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully the supervisor positions are normal, like eight to five jobs. And what uh, what are Adriana's hours? Like eight to five. Well, really, they're just like the office is open. I think from like seven to six, or and, and you can you can come in as long as you bill like eight hours. It doesn't matter okay. when you come in. Okay, so but maybe she normally goes in like eight to five. If four is like your morning, then you could go to bed by what like eight. Mm-hmm. So you guys could get three hours a day together. Yeah, and it's not like it's not full time. That's true. So it would only be a few days a week. And then I was thinking like that would be part time. I could get like a part time job, just doing something, whatever. Working in a coffee shop in the morning or something, till like two. I don't know. I've I've been applying to a bunch of places, and I'll make the schedules work out once I've gotten actual hits. No one's actually called me back or emailed me. Yet. Right. So, we'll <coughs> <coughs> yeah, job hunting um, is the worst. Yeah, tell me about. I know it. you've it's... never done it before, but 
Yeah. I mean, I'm doing it right now. Um, it sucks when like, cause you were job hunting very specifically for things. And I am just like, I want something that'll buy me time to do the things I actually want to do, which is mostly just drawing and playing video games and hanging out with my girlfriend. Um, so it being loose like that, I'm not like specifically targeting anything. I'm just like, where are the morning jobs? I need to make this amount of money. Like baseline, I need to make this amount to pay all my bills every month. So let's make these two line up and it's it's fucking tough. Um, but I've just kind of, as I've told people, I'm treating it like Tinder and I'm just going to apply to everything, see what hits, and then sort through the uglies. Nice. I like it. Um, the other yeah. thing you should do is if there's a job you're really into, like put some more work into it, you know. Yeah. When you go up there to visit uh, your girlfriend, like go stop by and ask if there's a manager around. Talk to them. Like that. I actually did that this week. Okay, good. That makes such a difference. Like when places are hiring, especially like entry level, they'll often get floods of applications. And if you can make a personal impression, it'll get you moved to the top of the stack. Um, mm. it, it makes a big difference. Um, so good. I'm glad you did that. Keep doing it. Yeah. It's nerve wracking, but it's the more I do it, the more actual like fun I'm having weirdly. Like, I don't know. No. Cause it, so the, the job hunt, it's like, it's Schrodinger's job, you know? Cause you're mm-hmm. like, you, you don't have it. You might have no job, but you also might get an amazing dream job, you know, like there, I feel like that's always how I felt. Anytime I search for anything like, like apartments or anything, it's like, there's this air of optimism of like, I'm going to find the most incredible job and I'm just going to get it at just the right moment. This will be perfect. And then that's yeah. not ever what happens, but it's still exciting to think about. And then it doesn't ever happen, but then every now and then you get Shan Shan. Ugh, good old Shan Shan. Good old Shan Shan. Um, or you uh, get Tessa. Did I tell you about Tessa's job? No, I didn't know she found work yet. Um, we went to a neighborhood barbecue. Our landlord, who lives right next to us, threw it. And it was like just a barbecue for their friends and some people in the neighborhood. And we went and it was a ton of adults with kids. And like I know we're 30, so we're definitely adults. But I felt so out of place. Um and they had a bartender, an old man bartender, slinging margaritas that were super strong. Um, yeah. And we sat down and we're talking to this couple. And this guy runs like a web development shop. And so he and I were talking a bunch about my school and what he does. And he said he really likes boot camp graduates and everything. Um, and then uh, he asked Tessa, like, uh, what she did for a living. And she basically said that she wasn't doing anything yet. Uh, or she wasn't doing anything right now. She's kind of looking. But she's... Basically, just like because I got a good job, she had the luxury of being picky and she was looking for the type of place that would value her for who she was, not necessarily for, you know, her education or for her experience, but that was interested in hiring her as a person. Um, Yeah. And then two weeks later, the guy, that guy asked my landlord for Tessa's number and asked her if she wanted a project management job. Um, and so Tessa is now the project manager for this. Like she's literally the fourth employee number four at this little web development. Like it's like a design, uh, slash like web development shop. Um, that's cool. Yeah. It's super neat. It's like exactly what she wanted. And it's not how that ever works for anybody. Um, 
So, so she just finished her second week of work. Awesome. And she's liking it. Yeah, she likes it a lot so far, but she's pretty uh, intimidated by a lot of it. But yeah, because it's it's you know she's never done anything like that before. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that because I hear so many stories about like my other friends who kind of like are on that grind of looking for a job and and then they just kind of like happen to fall into something awesome. I'm hoping something like that happens to me, but I'm not typically, I'm not typically the one that has that kind of luck. I fall into not great stuff typically. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I went and applied to this place that was looking for morning work at kitchen wise. And I was like, that'd be perfect. If I could just come in, have a list, do it and then leave. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. So before we got on, you said you got to, you got some bones to pick with Nintendo. You're taking them to task. What's going on here? Oh no, it's the exact opposite. Okay. I just said I had some hot takes. Oh, hot takes. Yes. Um, read that wrong. I want to point out, um, that before the switch launched, I recall, I believe it was on one of these here podcasts. Mm-hmm. Was it? No, we weren't doing the podcast before the Switch launched. That doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. So at some point before the Switch launched, um, I think maybe you and I were talking, maybe not. Um, but basically, I, I've, I pinpointed the Switch as, I said, this thing has the potential, if, if Nintendo plays its cards right, so this thing is going to be an indie powerhouse. Like... It is the yeah. indie dream machine. It's supposed to be amazing to develop for. Um, it's cheap. Like the development kits were only 500 bucks, whereas development kits for most of the other consoles are like $5,000. Um, and it's a, it's a handheld machine with some decent power. And so I was like, this thing could really kick ass indie wise. And now uh, seven months later, it's it is the fucking it spot for indie games. Um, it's true. I, I don't so true. know what you've read about it or what you've seen, but like every basically these publishers or, or developers are putting out games on the Switch that have been out for like two years on other consoles, and they are crushing their sales records. Um, yep. And Stardew Valley, yeah, Stardew Valley, um, a fire in the flame. They literally they made it like over halfway through their first month's estimate within a couple of hours of launching on the eShop. Um, like, and they've said that they've, uh, I think a fire or yeah, a, a, sorry, a flame in the flood is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those people also said that this, the day one sales were higher than any other console, like by a huge margin. Um, it's just, uh, it's just really cool. It's cool to see it. There's a, there's a personal satisfaction because I feel like I called it. Like I was like, this thing is going to be great if you know. I think it has the potential. And now, like the story, is basically that developers are like all dying to get approved from Nintendo. It's like they're all waiting to hear back instead of Nintendo waiting for people to come to them. Um, and, and this is for indie. Like I think that I think the Switch is still churning its gears on some on on AAA games as well. Um, yeah. But that's the bigger theme of what I wanted to say. It's just like I am I'm not a sports fan, even a little bit, but I imagine 
that being a Nintendo fan is similar to like being a Bears fan um, or, uh, or a Buffalo Bills fan. Like you love them, but the world just shits on them all the time and they, you know, they'll show signs. And that's the thing. I don't even know sports enough to say the right team, but basically it's like I've liked them the whole time and so it's just really satisfying to see my team winning right now um and not not to see them beating anybody because i don't really think that's necessarily the case but just to see them doing well i'm so excited that nintendo is being talked about within the game industry with such a twinkle that i i honestly don't think nintendo has had this level of industry buzz since the super nintendo um Really, I mean the Wii, but but the I'm, I mean it within industry because the Wii was yeah. huge and the Wii was a financially huge success. But within industry, if you ask any gamer what they thought about the Wii or any games journalist, they basically would admit it was popular. But most people, most gamers, did not like it. Nobody wanted to play games on the Wii. Um, yeah, nobody would buy the Wii version. If a game came out on the Wii and the PS3 and the Xbox 360. The Wii version was the one that was not going to sell. Whereas yeah. people are willing to take performance hits to their games to get it on the Switch because they want they want it on the Switch. Um, yeah, it's super interesting that Doom and Wolfenstein are coming out on the Switch. I'm just so thrilled because Bethesda were like, we're supporting the Switch with Skyrim, and it's like neat. I know Skyrim's a huge game, but it's five years old. Like at no point was I excited that Skyrim was coming to the Switch. Yeah. Aside from the fact that I figured uh, some people would buy it, like it would, it would probably help sell a few consoles. Um, but the fact that Bethesda then sneakily—I mean, not sneakily—but then they flat out announced that last year's Doom and the unreleased, like the fact that one of Bethesda's brand new games is coming to the Switch, I think is fucking gigantic for the system. Um, yeah, it is. Because there are people that are now going to not buy it on the PS4 to wait to get it portably on the Switch. Um, yep. There's probably not a ton of those people, but there are. There are people that go, you know, I'm excited to play it, but I'd rather be able to play it on my Switch. Um, and it's going to take a frame rate hit, and it's going to take a graphical hit, but, like, they've, you know, they put a lot of work into Doom getting it. Uh, to something they were proud to show off on the Switch, and uh, supposedly they've done the same thing with Wolfenstein. Um, so it's just cool. That's that's really like I had this conversation with my brother the other day. Um, I'm just feeling like I'm like riding the Super Bowl win essentially of like finally my guys, finally Nintendo is in vogue. Like because that's the thing I have had fun with Nintendo since I can remember. Um, I loved the GameCube. I loved the Wii. I love the Wii U. Like I, I, all of those, all of them were worth my money. And I, I played enough great Nintendo games on them that I think of them as successes because to me personally, they were, um, but it's really nice to see everybody else agreeing because if people, the more people buy the switch, the more shit Nintendo is going to do for it. And the more shit I'll get out of it. Like that makes me happy. I'm, I desperately hope that Nintendo, that the next console Nintendo makes is just a better switch. I don't, I don't want them to go a different direction. I, I don't mind if they add a gimmick or two to it, but I want it to be the same thing. Cause it's clearly what they should be doing right now. And it I don't, is... I don't see Sony or Microsoft making a play into the same market. 
Sony's crazy enough to do it. I think Sony is crazy enough to make another Vita and take one more stab at it because the Vita itself well, didn't sell. It underperformed uh, dramatically. Um, and I think that they're crazy enough to try again. I just don't think they need to because the PS4 is selling so well. Um, but we had this conversation and I remember it. It was before we started, decided to do this podcast. And I think th- those were long nights of just because you were always the enthusiast. You're like, this is going to be amazing. Nintendo is going to crush this. And I had just been, uh, I I have gotten jaded by Nintendo because I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think I, I was personally like, I think this is exciting. I just don't know if the mass market is, it cares about it the way we do. Right. I think it's, it's cool. And you were, you were right about to, to say that about the, uh, indies. And I'm like, yeah, it should theoretically do super well with the indies on switch. But I just don't think, I didn't think that it would because, uh, Sony has been crushing it with the indies. And I think somewhere along the way, they kind of lost their way with that because when the, when the console first launched the PS4, they were grabbing all the best PC indies and everything. And they were just like, yeah, come on over here, publish, publish on our thing. And like right now, that's what Nintendo's doing. And Nintendo is, uh, you know, right to do that. And, and I also didn't have confidence that Nintendo would seek that out because right. I, I, I just didn't think that they would they historically haven't done that. Um, but they did. And it was the absolute right move to do. Uh, and it's keeping their ecosystem fresh and people, it, I think it's keeping the people who bought one uh, playing it while they're waiting in between like Zelda and Mario. Which has Uh, been the biggest problem with Nintendo consoles for a long time is that they've baked some great games, but then what do you do between those games? Exactly. Um, And yeah, like at this point there is a, there's currently a backlog of games that I want to buy for the switch, but I'm still playing Zelda. Uh, I, I'm going to start playing destiny in a couple of days. Mario comes out a couple of days after that. Like I know I've got too many games lined up and one of them is a big Nintendo game. And so like, I'm not going to buy Stardew Valley for a long time, but I will yeah. get it eventually. Cause I've, I've won it for last year and I haven't gotten it. Um, but I'm far more excited about playing it on my switch than I would have been about playing on my computer. Um, mm-hmm. and that's what it, I think for me, that's what it comes down to is that I personally, I love video games. Um, but there's a lot of games that for whatever reason, mentally, I don't want to sit down in front of my TV and play them or sit down in front of my computer and play them um, because of the type of game they are. And that's like shovel Knight. I did not get shovel Knight until it came to 3ds. It looked really cool. I'd heard great stuff about it, but I didn't Mm -hmm. want to sit and hold a console controller and sit on my sofa in front of my TV and play that game. It looked like the type of game I wanted to play portably. Um, I don't think I played it outside of my house. It's not that I needed to be able to take it somewhere. It's just that those smaller games, especially like those like 32 bit or 16 bit, like those more retro looking games, I think play so much better on a handheld. Um, And they're just so much more satisfying. And a lot, most indie titles are just by necessity, you know, they're lower, they're, they're lower fidelity games. Um, and I think they do so much better on the Switch. Um, there's a ton of indie games that I would either buy for the first time or rebuy if they came to the Switch because I think it's the machine for it. Like, that's where I want to play games like that 
is even if I'm listening, I usually play on my couch. I'm just laying down holding a switch in my hands. I'm not yeah. looking at the TV. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's so well suited for indie games. And I, I feel like people are realizing that even if Nintendo didn't realize that, like, here's why you should do it. I think, I think, people are showing that most people feel the same way. Most people would rather play a lot of these games in a more personal handheld way. And so many indie games are so good for like a bus ride or a train ride um, where you've got 20 minutes and you just pop it out and play it real quick and then put it away. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree because that was one of the things about the Vita that appealed to me is like there's a lot of indie games on PS4 um, that were coming out and that that Vita was kind of my Switch before the Switch but like way less cool than the Switch where things would come out and I'd be like ah, I'm going to wait to play this on the Vita like those those smaller games that look cool but I was like I'm, uh, I would like to wait for the Vita version to come out to, for this right. and now now that's everyone's attitude about games for the for the switch because it's more powerful they're just waiting for that like i this feels like something you could feel it you could feel it deep deep in your groin like this is going to come out for the switch i think i'll wait yeah and then most most of those things have been coming out for the switch i remember you told um, me months ago about uh overcooked mm-hmm. and i thought man that sounds like the perfect game to get on the switch and we could just pop the joy cons off and play multiplayer yeah and I basically made that decision. I was like, if it comes to Switch, I'll buy it. But I'm not going to buy it on my computer. And then it came to yeah. Switch and I bought it. And that's fucking great. Um, yep. And it's so good for that. Like, the fact that Tess and I... Tess and I literally played a bunch of snipper clips sitting up against our car in a cornfield uh, in Alliance, Nebraska when we went camping for the Eclipse. Yeah. Like, And then in the tent, we played Mario Kart. We had a Mario Kart race in our tent because we could we hung the screen from the top of the tent and i was just like this is fucking cool like yeah not only is this cool we're actually doing the commercial that nintendo made when the switch was announced which what nintendo always does is they have these crazy commercials for their new crazy systems with all these silly use cases that no one ever actually does uh except we everybody does it like everybody uses the switch like that and that's so nuts to me that like it's actually doing what it's supposed to yeah, this has been the best execution of like it's because it's such a simple idea, and it's and I think this has been the simplest and kind of uh, the coolest idea that I think Nintendo has had in a while, um, and I'm glad that it paid off and that people took a chance on it and that it's doing well as as it is. Yeah, um, I love the Switch. I am excited for Mario. Uh, are you guys still committed to playing Destiny? Kind of day one next week. Um, I think so. Tessa's really excited about it, which is mm. enough to keep me really excited about it. Um, the fact cool. is we only have to buy one copy for our house because Jimmy and I both got it for free. Um, oh, cool, yeah. So it's a fairly low barrier of entry to have a new multiplayer game for all of us to play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely going to pick it up. Um, and I imagine we'll be playing a decent bit for a while. Cool. Oh, um, yeah, I got like to... a guy at work is going to pick it up too. So we've got a a fifth person for raids. And who else did you say is playing? Uh, Aaron and Sean will be playing. Okay, with sweet. their friends. Sweet, sweet. So we'll have some people to like hop in. 
Um, that's cool. I still haven't played the raid, and to be honest, like I've been playing it a bunch, but uh, everyone that I played it with like doesn't play it anymore. So I've been playing it a lot by myself, and every now and then here with Roger, but he's got you know a baby and doesn't really always feel like playing Destiny the way I do. I still love it. Um, I'm just bummed that like, oh, man, where where are my friends? Right. I need friends to play this game with. This game is not. It's still cool by yourself, but it's not made for this. No, oh, yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty pumped. Yeah, so I am pumped too. It, it does come out at an unfortunate time, though, because I am also super pumped for Mario. The thing is, what I realize is that I think Destiny is going to replace Overwatch for a while. Yeah, which is like I already we play that fairly regularly, and I think we'll play Destiny more than that. Um, but it's like I'm probably not. I wasn't looking at playing Mario like right when I get home from work because that's when I'm hanging out with Tessa and stuff. But so that's yeah. when we'll play Destiny. So I think I'll still have you know room for Mario, not a lot of room, but I think I'll probably just play it at night after she goes to bed. Um, yeah. I'm super close to convincing Tessa we need a new TV, um, mm-hmm. which I really want to do before Mario because I want to play it on a, a big beautiful display. Yeah, I just want it bigger. That's the thing. I, I, it's a problem to me that I'd rather play my switch in handheld mode. And the reason Mm -hmm. is because it's when I'm holding it in front of my face, it is a, I can, I can see more detail than when I'm playing on the TV. Um, Yeah. Cause it's my TV is far enough away and small enough that it's harder to see things. And Zelda is such a fucking gigantic, gorgeous game that you want to be able to stare deeply. Yeah, for sure. Um, Oh, you know what I found in Zelda? Uh, yesterday that i was really excited about what's that um a skeleton horse shit i have tamed the horse and it is mine you've tamed it and it's yours yeah the skeleton yeah i didn't know you could make one yours yeah bro all right give me a hint um I don't think I want to because it, it's something that you probably need to still explore a little bit. Okay. It's a cool thing. Okay. Fair enough. Cause I like brought it to a thing and they wouldn't let me do it. Oh really? Yeah. There, I think there's probably something else somewhere down the line you can do. Okay, cool. I accept. I accept that. That's the thing. I'm like so far in this game. I figure I should know all that shit by now, but no, there's so many little things in that game that like I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if like we haven't found half of the like secret shit in there like as a community, um, because there's so many things that you wouldn't know to do unless someone on Reddit pointed it out, like uh, just one really cool thing that I don't think you would ever, just like someone fucking around is like you can throw those rusted swords at one of those octopus things and they'll suck it up and spit it out clean as like a fresh silver weapon. Yeah. I just read about that too. Nintendo like posted about it in their news channel or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. that's super cool. It's fucking cool. And like that, that game, that's what I like about the game is that it rewards, it rewards you being like a curious gamer. Like, you know, like maybe if I do this, like this will happen and then you do it and uh, you're never like punished for it or it's never like a letdown. Right. I don't feel um, and I, I just kind of hope that games borrow from that design philosophy a little bit going forward. But it's looking like there will be a de-emphasis on single player with the closing of Visceral Studios from EA 
and them talking about turning their Star Wars game, which was being made by former Uncharted lead Amy Hennig, uh, into taking it away from being a single player game and making it more of a like a Destiny like kind of game. Wait, they're working on a Star Wars game. They were working on a Star Wars game, Visceral Studios, um, and they canceled. They shut down the studio, and they're they're reef they're like basically repurposing the game to be a uh what do you call them it's like a persistent game like like destiny where it's it's something that just like keeps games as a service is what they call it gotcha um with like world of warcraft and destiny and a lot of mmos um, and the thing about that is like, it's just like when people were trying to put out all these MMOs after world of Warcraft came out and it's just like, you, there's only room for so much of this in people's lives. Like, because Warcraft is so constant and you have to dedicate so much time to it. I mean, who's, you're not going to get those Warcraft players switching over or like dabbling in your game when they've got to like sign on to Warcraft every day and dedicate so much time to it. Even with like destiny it, they have like daily stuff to do but then all the weekly stuff to do as well and that stuff takes like a few hours to do like and people set aside time for that and especially if you're going to incorporate raids and stuff along with that and then you're also organizing it with your friends on how to do it there's only but so much room in people's lives for that kind of thing so right i think that for people to kind of follow that model i think people should back off for a little bit and stick to the single player model which i think this year has been a good testament for it like with zelda and you know near automata is a single player game i think it's fucking great like the witcher 3 was one of the best games in the most recent years single player shovel knight i think is my favorite game in the last 10 years um and like i don't know how well these games sell comparatively like obviously destiny and games like that make a lot of money off of things like loot boxes which are new trends but uh i think the integrity of the single player game and and that there's space for it and people want these things um i think it's a mistake to kind of leave that try to abandon that for a little bit yeah yeah i agree but they're all just trying to make that cash money yeah so loot boxes it's interesting you bring that up yeah because before the show, remember you said you wanted to talk about it. Uh, yeah, it is. So it's weird that it came up. Yeah, that's. Super um, weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems to be a new trend in. It, it was only in a few games, and I I tolerated it in those few games, and I started started to kind of dislike it, and then I just decided I was done with them all together because I I put some money into some loot boxes, you know, in, in Overwatch. Um. And it's like a cool system, but now that it's starting to come into every game, like it, it's it snuck its way into Shadow of uh, War, the new um, Lord of the Rings game. Yeah, I heard about that. Which, which uh, is a very single player game. It doesn't really. I don't understand where loot boxes fit in with that. Um, it started to become the new norm for these multiplayer games like Call of Duty and everything just like micro microtransactions were and it's it is just like an additive thing to microtransactions um 
and uh, I'm not liking it. I'm not liking this trend, and I think a lot of people are not liking it, and I hope it, it snuffs itself out sooner as opposed to later. But like with most things that we don't like, the power is in the people's hands, and if people keep paying for this shit, they're going to keep doing it. Yeah, um, I'm torn on them, to be honest. Um, I just, like, I enjoy them in games. Yeah. Um, or in-game. But I guess I wish you couldn't buy them. Yeah, that's my, that's the real uh, problem right there. Because I personally find them super motivating. Yeah. Um, they often encourage me to keep playing the game. Um, yeah. In Overwatch, when it's like, oh, I'm probably, you know, how many times do we have the conversation of, I think I only need one more match to loot. Yeah. And then we play another match so that we get that loot box. Um, so that's not the that's not the part I have the issue with. The right. issue is with the 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 pay to loot aspect, which turns into very quickly pay to win or pay to get ahead, and, and any I, of that stuff. I definitely very predatory. I definitely definitely have a problem with it when. Uh, so I I don't have as much of a problem with it on free to play games, because that is their pricing model. It bothers me when a game is sixty bucks. And then you can buy these loot boxes. And then on top of that, it really bothers me when you can gain advantages over other players. Um, yeah. I, when, like, that's the thing is I, the most exposure I have to the loot boxes is Overwatch. And I don't really mind it because it is 100% cosmetic. The only things in the loot boxes are skins or voice lines or sprays or, you know, it's all, it's all cosmetic you're not going to get to do anything that someone else can't except look a certain yeah. way. Um, and I, I appreciate that because I don't ever feel like I need to buy loot boxes in order to stay competitive. Um, I don't feel like I need to for any reason, except I want to look a certain way. I want a character to look a certain way. Um, and what's interesting is I'm trying to think right now because I've also I've bought a handful of loot boxes in Overwatch. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not flat out saying I'm not going to do it again, but I'm definitely less interested in it. And I think part of it is like the last two events have been the same events plus some new skins, and there hasn't yeah. been enough compelling. Like there's a couple skins I really like in the new Halloween one, yeah. but I'm not like there's not enough that I want to buy loot boxes. Um, yeah, because there's just not enough new stuff. Because the same when you buy. 20 loot boxes you're th- what you're buying is the like the hope that you'll get a bunch of cool shit um yeah but i like that thrill and so i'm wondering i'm trying to think to myself if overwatch let me just straight up buy a skin i wanted for a buck how would i feel about that and i might honestly be like less into that and then that kind of crazy yeah i think so and the Overwatch's approach where it's just all cosmetics is is the least damning thing you can do, but it still is super predatory because people love cosmetics. They like it doesn't matter. Like it, it's cool that it, like it doesn't give you any advantage. It still is like working on something that's uh scientifically proven a psychological thing of like right. we like we like alternate costumes in games and that stuff used to be locked behind like beat the game on hard and you get all this cool shit like 
play our game and you get it. And there's definitely still that in Overwatch. That you still play it and then get the loot box and you have the chance to get the stuff. But then you are definitely like sneakily on the side like well, you could you could play this sober, but we'll give you some crack and it'll be better for sure. You know, you can buy it. Um and you know, it's a business thing and I get it, but I think it's a shitty business thing that I wish would go away and it's not going to until people stop paying for it. And I think people are just like, they're throwing down the money. So, um, I agree with you on a lot of that. I still think with all of that knowledge that it's still shitty and predatory. And I agree, but I think I have enough self-control that I'm not, it doesn't bother me because I doesn't, I don't think it predates on me. Yeah. Um, but I know I'm not the person they're after. Like, yeah. I think I've probably bought four packs of loot boxes, which is 80 bucks. Like, it's nothing to uh, laugh at. But exactly, my thought process uh, when I did it, um, and I stand by this, is that I it was fun to buy them because they were exciting events and I wanted to hopefully get some good skins out of them. Um, right. and, uh, I got overwatch as a gift, but it was a $40 game and I've played it for hundreds of hours. And so I don't mind giving the developers some money. Um, I don't mind like sure. a lot of online games that you play regularly like that. Um, they have monthly fees. Um, like even, even if a game doesn't have monthly fees, if you're playing it on a console, you're paying a monthly fee to play it on the console. Um, mm. and so to me, it was more like, I, I didn't mind giving them that money. Like mm. I didn't, I, I felt like what I got, I, I enjoyed doing, it. I enjoyed buying it. I enjoyed opening them and I enjoyed knowing I was supporting a game that I thought was, was really great. Um, and so I was okay with it, but it still was 80 bucks and I still have self-control, but I know there are people yeah. out there that every time an event comes around, they buy 400 loot boxes, um, to guarantee they get every single new item. Um, that's fucking crazy. And stuff like that is a bit much. And I've seen a lot of Reddit threads. I see this specifically, this is sort of a tangent, but on, uh, on the Amiibo Reddit, Mm-hmm. People will be like, holy shit, I just added up how much all my Amiibos cost, and I've spent a lot of money on these. And there's a bunch of people going, yeah, well, some people spend that much in a, a weekend drinking, and some people spend that much on drugs. And it's just like, shut up. Like, shut the fuck yeah. up. That's not yeah. the point of this. Yeah. Um, some people do bad things doesn't mean that it's okay for you to do a less bad thing. Yeah, I think Overwatch is... is fine ethically probably mostly and that's saying i don't know if i've really played many other games that my understanding in shadow of war is that you can't get the complete ending by you you can get the complete ending by grinding an incredible amount and it's just far easier to just buy loot boxes and get whatever it is that you need to like finish the game fully really Um, and that's shit that's super shitty to me and at least, I mean, that's the way I was kind of understanding it. I'm, I could be wrong. I know that there's something really shitty up with it with the end game. Like, you can beat the game, but to get, like, this 100% ending, 
it doesn't involve like in Metroid where you would just explore the whole thing and then get the 100% ending. It's more of like you need you need you need like it's all about like the orcs and stuff and you can get certain orcs in loot boxes and apparently it's just like way easier less time consuming to get the loot boxes and basically yeah, pay for them in I'd order to absolutely agree that that's crummy yeah um i so. think my favorite version of loot boxes though the most driving version of loot boxes i've ever dealt with were mm-hmm. the loot boxes in the mass effect 3 multiplayer yeah um because you would get weapons and characters but the mass effect 3 multiplayer on its own was an extra mode on a single player game um yeah and then I don't remember if you could buy those with money or not. I think you probably could. I'm sure you could because you could get like packs, yeah. But yeah, every someone was so exciting. It was like, am I going to get a new like a Krogan Vanguard? Am I going to get you know like what kind of cool uh, character am I going to get? Am I going to get some kick-ass gun that completely changes my multiplayer game? But it was all PVE as well, so it was just about making you and your friends play better. It wasn't about. Uh, like competing against someone else or anything. So yeah. it didn't feel predatory. It just felt fun. It was a really good hook. It kept me playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's how I feel about them loot boxes. Don't care for them. Fuck them. Fuck the loot boxes. Fuck them. I will not pay for them. I'll probably pay for some Overwatch ones again yeah. at some point, but not anytime soon. Um, and definitely not in any other game, especially single player games. Yeah, loot boxes and single player games is kind of crazy to me. Um, yeah, and with Overwatch, I really think that's it. Is that the game came out? It was forty bucks, and they have added since the game came out. They've added four characters, like three new maps, a bunch of mm-hmm. new game modes. They keep adding a ton of shit. That is 100% no added cost. Um, yeah. And like, if I were, if I had played Destiny for a year and kept up with all the content, how much money would I have spent on DLC? So, a, pro- a lot, probably. Yeah. You'd probably spend, spend around 80 bucks. Yeah. So, that's like. For the game and the DLC. That's part of it. I, I don't mind. Uh, wait, 80 bucks for the game and DLC? Yeah. The game is 60. And there's, I thought DLC was like twenty a pop. The, well, if you buy the season pass, it's uh, twenty dollars for the season pass. I think. No way. Maybe thirty dollars. But it was a thousand dollars. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna stick with a thousand. It's it's eighty or ninety bucks for like the complete edition that comes with like the uh, season pass and everything. And that's Destiny Two. Yeah. What if I have the game for free? Can I just buy the season pass? Yeah. I think you could just buy the expansion pass or whatever it is. We'll see. We'll see. I probably should. Guess we'll see how much we actually play it. Yeah. Um, yeah play it first, see how you like it, then get that expansion pass whenever. The first expansion doesn't come out until December. So, so you have some time to like play it and see how you like it. Good. Good. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Um, by the time this episode airs, you'll be thirty. I will be. That that is true. 
be 30 years old. Any thoughts? Not, no, it doesn't affect me. At least right now, I don't think about it. I felt the same way. I didn't really give a shit. Yeah. Um, I guess the thing is, is we're on the, we're not. Okay. So we're living longer in our age, in our uh, era, I guess. Um, but I feel like I'm on par to be in that age range to have kids. I don't, we haven't like discussed having kids or we have, but like, there is no discussion of like, let's have some kids. Um, in fact, right now the discussion is like, neither of us want them, but you know, every, most people, most of my friends have kids and we're all getting to this point where we're like, uh, parents parenting or like I have responsibilities and I'm in a leadership role. So I kind of feel like just I'm in a general zone of like the back end of life. And so everything is just kind of like, that eh, doesn't matter. I'm 30, whatever, whatever fucking age I am. doesn't matter. Like it just matters what you experience and, and how you treat people and, and how people remember how you treated them. So that's all I really focus on. I don't, I don't care how old I am or how much closer to death that I'm getting. The, the finish line is there no matter what. So right. don't worry about it. Um, so I've ne- I've never seen the appeal of like uh, 30, 40, let's, let's highlight that and really pick at it. Yeah. It always seemed kind of odd to me. Yeah. But it will be 30. I have zero plans for my birthday because I'm super fucking boring. Um, Other than to eat. I like eating. Yeah. What are you going to eat? Food is good. I like things that revolve around food. Do you know what you're going to eat? Uh, it's restaurant week in Richmond starting the day after my birthday. And since I'll likely be working all day on my birthday, or I am working all day on my birthday, I already know that. Um, I mean, hit up how's your brother supposed to know it's your birthday? He knows. I think also I don't care about celebrating my birthday on my birthday. I just like the thing I like about birthdays as an adult is just as an excuse to make people do what I want. It's an excuse to say, they go, where do you want to eat? And I go here. And that's where I want to go. And I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to ask you where you want to go. Yeah. That's I mean, about it. We are, we are doing that, but it's just not like on my actual birthday. Gotcha. Fair enough. But yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be a restaurant week in Richmond and, and we're going to go to one of those places. Noise. We had delicious ramen last night. Motherfucker, don't talk to me about my uh, about fucking ramen. <laughs> the the ramen place that we loved in Charlottesville shut down oh, like no. a few months ago, and it was an, it was called Miso Sweet, and they served ramen and donuts, and they made the donuts there with like their own recipes and shit, and they were fucking they were the bomb. Yeah, that sounds shit. And they shut down. Yeah, I would have definitely like applied to work there because I I would be coming home with some donuts every day. It'd be good for your health. It'd be great for my health. For your health. For my health, Cerebral. Um, um, Eric Wareheim made wine. He, he made a, a wine. He has a, a real wi- wine that you can buy. He has a winery now. Shit. And there's one called Sweetberry Wine, and it has some really cool art of Dr. Steve Brule on it. Awesome. Do you have any? No, I want to buy a bottle. It was limited. I wonder if it's still for sale. Actually, it's thirty-five yeah. bucks, which isn't that bad. But it's also like I don't got thirty five dollar wine money. I gotta buy a TV. 
<laughs> um, speaking of wine and finding jobs, there are opening positions at. Oh, that's sold uh, out. They're also the. Out. Sorry, go there ahead. are opening positions at the Trump Winery for various jobs um, in Charlottesville, Virginia. I kind of think you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I think I shouldn't do it as well. But I, it was interesting. I was like, oh, shit. I forgot he had a winery in Charlottesville. Yeah, I never knew that. Did you hear that it's also like the best winery in the country? Is it so good? It's the the greatest. I mean, I don't think anyone makes better wine than them. Is that what people are saying or what? That's what I hear. Well, maybe you should get a get a work there. No, I'm not going to. I mean, you know, but Big Papa T will take good care of you. Oh yeah, exactly. Wait, what's the opposite? What's the complete opposite of taking care of someone? Uh, not giving a shit about them at all. Yeah, he'll do that. I mean, <laughs> or he'll actively try to ruin your life. That could happen too. You know what? I'm just gonna come out and say it. I don't care for that guy. I really don't at all. It, you know, at the beginning of his presidency, I was like, "Let's be civil. Let's attack the policies. Let's not shit on him as a person because it's easy and unproductive." But I think it, the last few months have just been just fuck you. Just everything about everything you're saying, fuck you. Why? Um, I'm honestly shocked he's not said anything about any of his Harvey Weinstein's Harvey Weinstein stuff from Hollywood. Uh, it feels like the sort of thing that like he would just go on a Twitter tirade about. Like Harvey Weinstein is a great person we've met many times, and he is one of the most wonderful people ever. And his, these attacks on him are unfair. Like yeah. that that would not surprise me. Like call it a witch hunt or some bullshit. Yeah. Fake news, once blah 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 blah. Um But yeah. It was I think it was like the Charlottesville stuff he couldn't just be presidential about. All the shit with North Korea is just like you don't understand that you are putting a lot of innocent people at risk with the words that come out of your mouth. Um, I forget the other thing. Oh, all the shit with like Puerto Rico. Wait, you mean when you talk to the president of the Virgin Islands? Yeah. That bothered you for some reason? Just the way he talks about them. Like we don't like, they're not part of the United States and also Guam. We own that territory. Yeah, but he talks. Americans. He talks to the president, so it's fine. They're Americans. Yeah, it's just like I'm. I'm very. Uh, I'm very ready for someone else to be president. I went through a, a, a period where I couldn't decide if I wanted him to get impeached or assassinated or not. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, but I'm a hundred percent. I want him to not be the president, even if it means Mike Pence is the president. I don't think Mike Pence will... I think he'll be an equally terrible person, but he'll at least won't be so shameful about it. Like, he'll... Mike Pence will be a very predictable, boring politician about it. Yeah, but he still, like, will be terrible for everyone. Yeah, but I think that the the things that... 
but that's the thing is like the things that he's shitty about they're they're battles that have been already won so what's it what's he going to do to gay people like he can't take away their right to get married and even if he did at the federal level it would go it would kick back to the states and which states are going to really revoke that none of them right um, yeah I, don't know. I, I just i just think that to worry about that stuff is that's a battle that i feel like is already won um, but anything goes at this point right now. I think Trump and his administration is very much showing us that things are not as orderly and neat as we thought they were. And it could descend into chaos at any moment. And all you can really do is be nice to each other. So uh, regardless of what you think about Trump and his politics, you know, be kind to each other. But if you see Trump, maybe throw him the bird. Uh, don't I fantasize about that? Yeah, about getting to meet him and just say something mean to him. Like that's just my. I what, just want to hurt what, the guy's uh, fucking feelings. No, you can't. It's impossible. I know his ego is too inflated. If you did see him, if by chance you happen to see him, you've got a moment with him. Let's say you have five seconds at best until the Secret Service kind of finds where he stumbled off into. It's just you and Trump. Your only witnesses are other people, normal people. Five, you got five seconds. What do you do? Um, if I punch him in the face, will I get killed? Because that's been one of my fantasies. But I like, like to have the opportunity to shake the president's hand, but then punch him in the jaw. Um, but I, you get murdered like right away in real life. You yeah. try to do that. As and long it's as not you do worth it before those five seconds are up i mean you probably have to run because then he'll get the secret service after you but you know i guess you could punch him in the face i think that's what i do yeah if i could do that if i could punch donald trump in the face with a like pretty solid expectation that i wouldn't get murdered afterwards Mm -hmm. or go to guantanamo bay um i would do that Sounds fun. No, it doesn't. I'm not a violent person. I just hate him with so much fucking force that that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. What would you do? Kiss, I don't know. You know what would be good is to kiss him, like French him. I think rape is. I would just do something. His mouth a little bit. I think I would do something more like that, or I would walk by and just pat him on the butt real hard, like a baseball pat, or just grab his dick and say, "You like that, Trumpy?" Yeah. Yeah, you like that Trumpy? Yeah, I think I would do something like it. either grab his dick or pat him on the ass is a very Keith move. It's a move I haven't pulled out in a while. I used to do that to people I work with all the time. You used to is grab people's dick smack? all the time? No, I didn't grab their dicks. I, I would smack them on the booty all the time. And it was just the guys. And usually it was the creepy guys who were creepy to girls. And I would do it very specifically because I'm like, this is what it's like when you're creepy to women. I wouldn't say that, but that was definitely my point. Right. Um, and then they would always get weirded out by it and ask me to stop a bunch. And I'd be like, oh, you don't like that? I like it. I think you want it secretly. Shouldn't dress like that. that. Yeah. You're kind of asking for it. I know what you want deep down. That's what I was thinking. Um... Yeah, I don't pull that move anymore. 
I think there's less people at work that annoy me is why. And probably just not, no, people don't have as nice asses. That's definitely true. The ass, uh, the ass game is declining over the years. It sucks. Millennials got no bueno booties, at least the males. They ain't got no junk in the trunk. Oh, oh. Um, I think that this podcast is degrading. Yeah, we're, we can be done. We're falling apart. No, nah, we're good. We're shells of. But men. we we can be done. It's we're at a good length here. What is this? Hour, we're at an hour and a half. That's good. It's perfectly average length. That's all you need. Nope. We're at an hour and a half, really. Yeah. Fuck! I gotta go to bed. I have to wake. I'm going to work an hour. So this is a good story to end on. Um, mm-hmm. I want to get out of work an hour early tomorrow, uh, which normally mm-hmm. isn't that big of a deal. But I already took two sick days and stuff, so I don't want to take extra time off. Um, yeah. So uh, today I asked my boss, I said, Hey Steven, I was like, if I come in like an hour early tomorrow and he just looked at me and his eyes widened dramatically because mm-hmm. I've never gotten to work more than five minutes early. <laughs> and usually I'm there like one minute late every single day. So he was like, yeah. what? I was like, yeah, I know. Hear me out. If I get <laughs> here early, can we? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. But he was just so amazed yeah. at the thought that I would get there early. Yeah, man, do it. I got to. So, yeah, I got to get up at 7.30. You can do it. I believe in you. No, I know I can. I just don't like it. I know. I hate it. It's a bummer. I've never, ever liked it in my life. Well, in that case, I'm satisfied. I'm pretty satisfied, too. Sorry we missed last week, everybody. Oh, it's okay. I'm apologizing to you, Keith. I'm apologizing to our rabid fan base. Well, so jokes on you. I haven't really published the last two that we did because they were terrible. Really? Upon listening to them, they were awful. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing this. <laughs> really? Like, really? We, we, we don't get paid. I don't have any obligations. What was so bad about them? They're just, they don't flow well. The content was weird and... It's not up to par. It's not. This is a good one. This is a really good one. Okay. We're energi- We were both energized. I think like we were passionate about what we were talking yeah, about. I guess was, we were pretty low good. energy. The last few. Yeah, I was sick for one, so that was a big factor. Yeah, like I, I wasn't into anything we were doing, and I think for the other one, I was really tired. We were recording after I was probably sleep deprived. Yeah. Um. And and I don't think we really had anything to really talk about on that one either we but just kind of so to be clear it was your fault it is they're both my fault thank god but this this one will go up and i hope people like it um me too because i put my heart and soul into this it's not it's not I, true I, I put a lot into it they say the heart of rock and soul is still beating so from what i can see i believe them and the old girl midget barely beat in. And the hard rock and roll. Hard rock and roll is to beat in. All right, I'm cutting you off. Yeah, you're supposed to fade out to my singing. <laughs>